welcome to the School of Laughs podcast, brought to you by SchoolofLaughs.com. Whether you're an aspiring comedian, a part-time pro, or a speaker who wants to become funnier, this is the podcast for you. We'll break down tools, tips, and techniques to help you get bigger, better, and more bookable. And now, here's the show. Welcome to the School of Last Podcast, episode 173. Nazareth has laughter for us all. Hey, this is Rick Roberts. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast. Whether you're a first-time listener who just found it this week, or if you've been listening since the very beginning, 173 episodes ago. That's quite a run there, and I've enjoyed every second of it. We've got a couple of sponsors today I'd like to recognize quickly before we get into the interview with Naz. Uh, The Art of Bombing podcast. If you haven't checked that out, uh, this is your last chance to be reminded by me about it. Uh, They've sponsored four episodes, and we're thankful for that. Thanks, Dan. Uh, It's an interesting podcast. Comics share their biggest bombing story, uh, where they just did not get the laughs on stage. They also go into other things, comedy-related, but the focus of each episode is your worst show, and I think I'll be on an upcoming episode of that podcast. I guess I'll remind you one more time about The Art of Bombing when that episode releases. So check them out, Art of Bombing. You can find them on iTunes, Stitcher, you name it. They're there. And I'd also like to thank and congratulate our Patreon supporter of the week. It's Rhonda Corey, the current Clean Comedy Challenge champion. She just uh, won up in the Chicago Clean Comedy Challenge. Rhonda's a great uh, comedian, really focused on what she's doing, and did the job, got the trophy. And congratulations, Rhonda, for that. Keep up all the great work that you're doing, and thank you for supporting us when I say us, I mean me, through Patreon for the podcast. Uh, if you are interested in ever helping out with the Patreon support, all you have to do is log on to schooloflast.com, check out podcast, and check out how you can sponsor the show and support it. You can do it through ads like uh, Dan did with his Art of Bombing podcast, or you can just sign up for as little as nothing almost seven dollars a month how about that and you get on the insider tip sheet you get the club 52 treatment which includes a zoom hangout each month where we dig deep into what you're looking for to get out of your comedy i connect you with resources if i have them and connect you with other comics across the country who are at different levels different spots in their journey in comedy we just had a hangout this past weekend got into google ads and how you can you know, set those up to trigger people to find your landing page or your website and how do you can convert them into buyers. So we got pretty deep into that as well as celebrating successes and exploring challenges of the different comics that were on the call. Again, you can do that for just $7 a month. It's kind of like having a mentor in your back pocket once a month for an hour. If I could find somebody to do that for me, I would be doing that right now. I'm happy to do it for you if you support the podcast. All right, let's get into this week's episode. Uh, Nazareth, if you don't know the name, it sounds like a country. Well, that's true. That's where he was born, and he was named that after that. And a uh, very funny guy. I've known him for, I would say, 10 to 12 years or so. He started comedy just about the same time I did in a different part of the country. And we get into what he does, how he does it, and who he does it for, and the why behind all that, right now on The School of Laughs. Well, I am here with Nazareth. How's it going, buddy? Fine. How are you, man? Thanks for taking the time to come here. Well, when I saw you're not only going to be in my backyard, but in my part-time job over at TBN, I thought, well, I got to grab Naz because I'm going to be. I'll see him later on tonight anyway. Yes, on Huckabee, you do. You do the warm up. I do the warm up. Uh, most times, you know, I 
I stay home a few times for it. If I get booked, I can let them know a week or so ahead of time. They'll find somebody else. But it's been a great, great thing. And you're going to crush it tonight. They love comedy on that show. Oh, thank you. That's uh, it's going to be interesting. It's just the timing. I mean, I was trying to to crush my material into a five-minute comedy and three-minute to promote my book. And it's funny how it started talking. I'm timing it. I was like, wait a minute. That's more than three minutes. I didn't say anything yet. Yeah, that's. I, I tell you, I think that's been the struggle for most of the comics that have come on is to, to just do what fits in that time and not try to put too much into it. Right. If you go fast, it's not going to work for you because the, the audience is a little bit older. Yeah. Typically, they'll be older than us every single time. And so, and they're, you know, they're, it's a theater setup, but it's a studio, so they're a little bit further away. Okay. So you just need to do the things you would do if, like, if you were in Branson or at a retirement home or something. Yeah, like that. so slow it down. Slow it down, and they'll get it, and they'll laugh hard. They'll laugh long if you let them. They're okay. great. They're really great comedy crowds. I was so happy to see that, not only for my part, but for the other comics that have come on. Uh, and I've had two or three friends already come through, so it's, it's good to see you on the list and doing it. Thanks, man. I yeah. appreciate it. You'll get a really nice video out of it. The uh, I mean, it's state of the art over there. That's really a sweet. good advice. I'm, uh, yeah, I was, I was like, you know, you, whenever you you struggle with this, should I do my best material? Should I do my newer material? Is people who've seen me on TBN before will see and go, oh, he's uh, he's doing his old stuff. So that was the struggle. And then I'm looking at the audience. Okay, we're getting conservative, born again, evangelical audience. So I'm gonna I'm gonna gear toward that. And just you know, play to the audience who watches TBN. Yeah, I think it's your best bet. You know, I'm I'm doing the show next week, so I'm kind of going through the same thoughts you are. Like you know, which and I know the audience pretty intimately because I've been there since October uh-huh. and know what to expect from them. And I think I think you just give them the best that you got right now that's current. You yes, know, and that's the right. best that's current. You're yeah. right. Without pandering, like I've I've got some jokes that <laughs> they they crush with this audience, but it's not I don't do them anywhere else. Right. I've just like pulled them out of the hat that I haven't done for a while and do them here. I've written specific things that are a little bit more political, uh, and they they eat it up. So I know exactly what they want to hear. But it's it's not that it's not funny. It's just that I don't want to pander straight up. But then again, <laughs> you know, this is what I was thinking. I'm like, okay, this is TBN crowd. This is uh, the older audience in the show. But I watch the show on YouTube, and mm-hmm. there's you know a lot of millennials watch the show. Yeah. And then do you want to cater to those as well? So yeah. that's the thing. And it's a worldwide show. I mean, it's it's pretty heavily America-based, obviously, but it goes in every country in the world has TBN. So I start thinking, do I do, do my Cracker Barrel joke or not? Because they, they oh, may not know that right. anywhere outside the United States. So there's things you – if you're trying to appeal to the audience past the, the ones that you see – there's I always do, uh, just the fact being, you know, internationally from the Middle East and all that. I always, when I think, I think more international. But I, I was guilty of doing a lot of stuff that nobody knows except uh, people here. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Now let's let's get back into like uh, how you got started in comedy, but you know your origin altogether, like because you've got a lot of comedy about your background, your past. Well, I'm originally, I was born in the Holy Land, in Nazareth. Uh, I'm a Christian Palestinian, not Muslim, not Jewish, Christian, you know, not by name, Greek Orthodox. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, when I was three years of age, we moved to Kuwait, which is a Muslim country, and I lived there for 16 years, went to school. And then when I was ready to come to college, I came to University of Toledo, Ohio. 
and uh, just went to school there, wanted to study engineering, then changed to accounting, and then uh, my family moved in. My mom and dad moved into Toledo. It was too cold for them uh-huh. from Kuwait. So, yeah. so we drove to Huntington Beach, California, and I was ready to start my, you know, a career there, but my mom wanted me to get a day job, so I got a job in accounting, tax accounting. And I was doing that for a while and uh, said, what do I want to do in life that if I never get paid for it, I'll do it to the best of my ability? And it was comedy. I wanted to make people laugh. And had you ever thought about comedy before that? or I, I used comedy as a tool. Like when I lived in Kuwait, we were like second class citizens. So I used comedy to avoid bullying and avoid all that, to get friends and all. And was it when, pretty intense, I'd imagine, because, you know, the... The number of Christians around you in that environment oh, were very low, very, very low, very, very small. Huh? Very small. So to me, it was like you know you avoid trouble, you make people like you by being. So I've always used comedy as a tool, and even when I came to this country, I was using comedy to hey to feel accepted and all that. But uh, to me, I love to see people laugh. That's why when people come to me and say, hey, I have a joke for you. And even if I heard it a million times, uh, I act like I never heard it before. Because that moment when people are telling us their joke or being funny with us, that's the moment they forget about their problems. Yeah. And then they, and to me, it's like, hey, I did something for that person. I made him forget his problem for one minute. Right. So that's to me what I wanted to do. So the next day. I went and signed up at the LA Cabaret in uh, in Encino, California, in the Valley, and it was they had 300 people in the show. It's great show. Signed up as open mic at 7 p.m. By the time I went up, it was midnight. Yeah. There were nine drunks, and uh, I only had. They said you have three minutes, and the light would go on. Need to get off stage. I didn't have three minutes. And I was doing my like jokes so people wouldn't talk to me. I go, yeah, I'm from the Malays. I have a two-story tent with a two-camel garage. And, right. And my brother will take, you know, Ken and Barbie hostages. I'll send G.I. Joe to get him back. Right, right. And it was these kind of stupid <laughs> jokes. And, and I was at work and the Slurpee machine fell and hit me in the head. I'm glad I had my turban on. And people were dying. And two guys fell off their chair laughing. I said, that's it. That's what I want to do. I can do this. Next day, I signed up at the comedy store. Same thing. The next day, I went to the improv. And, you know, several months later, uh, Mark Lano, who's uh, the co-owner of the improv, uh, he liked me. And he said, I'm going to put you as a new face at the improv. That means you can come anytime and perform. It's like, what? How about that? This is the top club. So I started doing that, and then I was working. I worked with Chris Rock at the comedy store and was doing that. And then one day Adam Sandler came and took my spot at the Merrill's, which is a high spot. So I was so I was doing clubs. I was doing three shows a night, going from one open mic to an open mic to another, and then drive home, get home by one in the morning, get up at five, go to my accounting job. And then I had jobs in the weekends mm-hmm. at Subway and stuff. I would finish the job, run to Hollywood, do a couple of shows. It was a hustle, but I knew this is what I want. And what year was that when you started? The- 1990 is when I started. Okay, so we're pretty close. I think I started in 91. Yeah. So well, I started doing those, you know, just hitting Hollywood hard for three years. And then I got a management in the first year of my career and... He was really, he believed in me and we, we're doing, you know, we're now we're, I'm traveling, I'm doing gigs in, in Arizona and Seattle and all that. And then uh, he was working on a sitcom for me called Fish Out of Water, Middle Eastern Man in America. Uh-huh. And one of his writers, Richard, was writing for me and 
and things were great, man. The drugs, the alcohol, I get good spots. <laughs> and one one time I was at the Pasadena Ice House, and a Japanese comic went up before me. His name is Yamo, and he was clean. And I was impressed, like, wow, he's clean. I said, hey, can I buy us a drink? He goes, I don't drink. I said, you need a cigarette? He goes, no, I don't smoke. He said, would you come to church with me? He goes, of course. I'm from Nazareth. We gave you religion, baby. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. well, we gave them, you know, we gave you oil, we gave you religion. <laughs> right. Now we give you Homeland Security. <laughs> yeah. How else would you need it? <laughs> we I gave know. you all this. Yeah. We're givers. So anyway, so I go to church with him, and it's uh, through that event, you know, I, I knew, you know, I was, I thought that God was angry at me. He hated me. I come to church. I know he loves me. And just I found the pearl that I was looking for. Yeah, I called Chuck Harris, my manager. I dropped everything. I dropped comedy. He said, oh, you're going with a different management. I said, I'm not doing comedy anymore. And I meant it. I said, I'm done. I can't honor God that way. A week later, the church wanted to do a comedy night. They said, oh, we got a professional comedian now at our congregation. Our coffee house fits 100 people. Let's do a comedy night. And they did. 400 people showed up that night. What? And I did. I called my friend Brad Stein and said, hey, Brad, I know you're a Christian. Can you come and do the show with me? Because I've never done a Christian show. And he did. We had a great time. One of my best shows, an old deacon who's with the Lord now, he said, Lord, use this man for your glory. And that's that was it. And I knew right in. And to this day, every time I go on stage, I have that desire to share Jesus if I can. Oh, and you do. That's the one thing I always notice when uh, you're out doing your things. You do true crusades where, I mean, you're bringing hundreds of people, you know, at the end are coming up and giving their lives over at some of these events. What I mean, you've been you've done a lot of these things. Can you? Single out a couple of moments in some of those bigger shows where you've used the comedy as a tool to reach out? Oh, they, this is funny because I remember when I first came to the CCA, when we started the CCA, it, most of my peers, they were like calling me the Billy Graham of comedy. Yeah, and that's just a Billy Graham of comedy because it's not something I wanted because, you know, sometimes it takes work away from you. Mm-hmm. I, had a, I had a client, he goes, we love you, but uh, you're we don't want preaching. I said, I'm not preaching. He goes, I know, but I know you don't want, you're going to mention Jesus. And we, I go, so sometimes you lose work. Right. But what I did is, when I got to a point in about 2011, 12, where I noticed churches didn't even want you to share the, the gospel message, or they don't want to talk about the cross and all that. And I said, you know what? I'm going to start doing my own thing. And I said, Lord, I'm going to start a nonprofit that if that we can fund it with Christians is to be able to go and do events that I want without anyone uh, saying you can't do this or you can't do that. And I want it to be able to be a free event so people who cannot afford it can come to it. And that's how I started the Laughter for All. And I had some uh, Christian businessmen who believed in the idea and that joined my board. And we started, you know, I rented the first time, I rented a stadium in San Bernardino and invited 5,000 people who can't afford to go to a comedy show. I brought some musicians, rappers, comedians, and we gave a thousand bags of food and a thousand, what do you call it, a thousand toys uh-huh. to to entice people to come to the show. And at the end, I gave the gospel message. I had pastors from local churches on the field, and it was a great show. And we did it in Vegas the next year. This is... Uh, in June 30th, it's going to be our eighth uh, crusade uh, That's awesome. event. Called. And by the way, the Billy Graham people met with me last week. Did they really? <laughs> yeah, so finally, it's like, okay. They they go, we know what you're doing. So That's so good. I got them, because they're doing the same thing. We're trying right now to 
our new missions change California, change the nation. Because there's a lot of Christians are leaving California. They're scared. They're, mm-hmm. And I go, you know what? Uh, God called us for this. He put me in California for a reason. I'm not going to let California go down the drain on my watch. Mm-hmm. You know, if we believe... If we believe that Jesus desires that these people would know him, that uh, the Holy Spirit is as powerful today as in the day of Pentecost, and that and that the Word of God is still living and powerful, why are we scared? And God just nudged me last year. It's like, you know, you need to not only go give the gospel message, you need to empower believers, encourage them to go out and share their faith, knowing, hey, I gave him power. They can see. The rest of the people are blind. They need me. So that's what we've been doing. Uh, uh, we're doing seven events every year called Change California, Change the Nation, where at the end of the event, I asked people, I said, hey, if you really want to live a pure life, if you want to have a personal revival and say commit to sharing Jesus with seven people in the next 12 months, would you do that stand up? And we have three, 400 people stand up at each event, and we give them tools, stuff that they can use. Mm-hmm. And the goal is to be able to, in five years, to reach five million people. And the Billy Graham uh, people, they met with me last week and said, hey, listen, we're doing, we have the same vision, but we're going to do it in one month. Where, you know, Franklin is coming to do yeah. seven shows in the same areas almost. And I said, they go, this, this idea came to us two years ago. I said, no, it's 6,000 years ago. Yeah. God knows what right. he's doing. And and there's a lot of things happening in California. I'm very encouraged to because as California goes, so is the nation. Yeah. So. It's such a huge population and such a, a lot of trends start there, positive and negative. You know, a lot of a <laughs> lot of things happen. So a lot of weirdos there. Of, well, yeah. Sometimes. Well you guys call them missing, we call them weirdos. <laughs> well some, sometimes they have to come from Toledo by, via Kuwait. I mean I, I know. Just, as long as you get there. I know. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cool. I'm glad we got that in there because I wanted people to know like how you can use comedy besides just for yourself. I mean, that's that's the ultimate sacrifice to go out there, rent a stadium, and get 5,000 people in there and give things to them. That's, that's phenomenal. Going to jump in here just for a second and uh, give you a little update on our sponsor. We've got a new sponsor for the show. It's the Art of Bombing podcast. Uh, here's a little information about them, and you can click through in the show notes to go right to it and subscribe to their podcast. I think you'll dig it. Calling all comedians and fans of comedy. Join me, Dan Bublitz Jr., every Tuesday for the Art of Bombing podcast as I talk with comedians of all levels about their worst shows and what can be learned from them. Learning lessons not only to become better comedians, but better people. The Art of Bombing takes an in-depth look at bombing on stage to turn failure into success. Available on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe today. I do want to go back a little bit though. To I'm just I'm still so curious how Kuwait to Toledo. I mean, because there, there's no nonstop flights there. What <laughs> did you apply to some places? The or New York. Because of the I engineering to, school or what uh, was? It? No, I, because number one, it was an engineering school. I was approved at three schools: one in New York and one at UCLA. But my parents didn't want me to go to LA or New York uh, because they thought, oh, it's big city. He's gonna do drugs and all that. Mm-hmm. Guess what? I found drugs in Toledo. Toledo had them too. Toledo had them too. And uh, and it was one of the... I remember when I first left Kuwait, I came to JFK Airport. And I had a friend that lived in New York. So I, I had a flight to JFK and then the next morning I'm flying to Toledo. And then... And then I'm waiting to get my luggage and this guy comes in and he's like, hey, you're looking for a cab? I go, yeah. He said, where are you going? I go, Manhattan. I'm going to go or a hotel close by to JFK. 
He goes, yeah, I'll take you. And he took my luggage, put him in the taxi, drove me like seven minutes. I go, how much? And he opens a book and he goes, $187. What? That's 1984. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I go, wow. That's a little, I'm not, I don't think my money going to last that long. So I give him $200, I said, with the tip. And, oh, my gosh. And I walk into the lobby, and I ask the lady, I said, how much for a taxi ride from JFK to here? She goes, not more than 18 bucks. Yeah. I go, I learned my first lesson. Yeah. And that was the last time someone fooled me. In the, so it was an expensive $200 lesson. That's a really expensive. I mean, the hotel was probably 100 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> and the next day, it was less than that. It was yeah. like $50. The next day, I fly to Toledo. I'm at the airport. Kenny Rogers is in the, in the airport. I go, oh, so you see celebrities here <laughs> all the time. Like the people I see on TV. Yeah. And I didn't know what to expect. Should I expect like John Wayne America? Should I expect you, what do you call it? Uh, it's like different. Yeah, so what were your impressions? I mean, growing up in Kuwait, you were there until what At age? 16 years. I was 19. When so I, you had some TV probably come through. Yes, yeah. we watched uh, Starsky and Hutch. Oh, and, yeah. And I always said, <laughs> Bachman and Rabin, that was the name. <laughs> Made you laugh. That's good. When You're you make paid. another comedian laugh, that's a good thing. Man. But we watched yeah, American TV, so I was really intrigued to know what to expect. And I was like, what is this? Is this in like New York? And New York, I spent like a half a day. It wasn't, well, I was at night. I didn't see much. Yeah. I went to the hotel and back to the, but to go to Toledo, I was like, okay, it was different. Yeah, a little bit easier pace to kind of ease into things. But this, it helped me because I spent three years there. I didn't speak any of my language, just English. I had to learn the language. I was going to ask, is that when you started? That's when I started learning English to speak English, actually, uh, in a conversation. And I, you know, I learned it, I learned it there in Ohio. That's good. Well, the beauty of Ohio is that it's a neutral accent. So you were able to learn in, a, in an area that wasn't too southern and wasn't too west coast, you know, or whatever. Those are west so, coast. Did you hear that? Yeah. <laughs> I all. can. Sometimes I can go southern on people. I'd like to, yeah. <laughs> I bet you can. You ought to do that on this show. That had to go over well. <laughs> That's cool. Now, how long ago did you start? Uh, teaching classes and, and holding workshops out there because you've had some incredible students uh, come through, haven't you? I did. I did for a while. I'll tell you when I started it. And this sounds bad, but when the economy hit, the crash, the market crash. Before that, I was doing. You know, I was asked to teach at the at a college, the LA College, to teach commerce. So I did that, and then I had some students, and and it was okay. But it was I I, I wanted to perform. That's mm -hmm. what I wanted. And I've always had this fear, like those who teach don't, which is a lie, because if you're a great comic, you know how to teach comedy. Right, right. So so when the market crashed, I'm like, oh, I don't have a lot of work. So I started teaching class at my church. And people came through it, like Taylor Tomlinson, who is now, ABC just gave her a sitcom. Right. The, different people had, uh, uh, what's his name, uh, Ron McGee, who was mm -hmm. a comedian, and Rich Prater. All these guys came to me, and I started teaching them, but also I took them on the road with me as opening acts. And they have, I have several people, but, but then after that, I get too busy to where I can do a six-week class. Mm -hmm. I know you teach great classes, and I, I wasn't that... that 
technical or that uh, you know give i was more like hey hey let's let's work this is this is what i do this is how i do it this you want to and i always emphasize you got to pay your dues right. so any comic who's listening you know don't think like today you're on stage you know first time on stage next year you you're going to be great no you're not or you can go up on stage and do it and wing it you can it always takes time and i always tell comedian i was asked by a young comic today he said how much should i charge I said, let the calendar determine that. Yeah. You right know? now you're wide open, so get something on there. Yes, let it stick. I, you know what? It's just how busy. 25 years ago, when I started in the Christian market, I did two years of free shows. Right. I did prisons. I did this. I did, I did all that. So I get I get now when I get these shows, it's like I don't go, wow, I booked a big show. No, that's money owed to me from all these Right. You're feeling hard those gaps. I'm catching up because yeah. – we don't have a retirement. <laughs> we don't have a, you know, we don't have the savings. We don't own all this, you know, that if we were at a different career, give, putting that many hours, oh, yeah. we could do that. We, we're not doing that. So so that's why whenever you, now you, you make bigger money and people look at us and go, you guys make good money. If you compare it to all these years we struggled, eh, yeah, it, it all kind of shakes it out. All kind of sh- it balances out. So if you're a young comic, just work on your act. Go on stage. Be as as much as you can. Go on stage. If you're young, find the youth youth pastors and call them and say, hey, can I open that? If you're single, go to singles group. Find out where there's events going on and say, hey, can I open? And if they have the first annual concert, that means next year they're going to have one. Mm-hmm. Don't be lazy. You can't be lazy in this business. You can't be lazy. You can't wait for it to come to you because it, it doesn't come to you. No, I and Sometimes when you go now, to it, it ain't there. <laughs> you know, I thought by now I'd be sitting down and the phone ringing off the hook and I'm going, oh, no, thank you. I can't do this. No, thank No, you still have to go out there. You still have to market. You still have to. To, to try and and some people you know we get sprouts where you know we, we our name is up there and people start calling you and give you but you have to know this doesn't last right so you got to keep continuing hustling continue write new material all the time because that's what motivates you to go on stage yeah and don't you think i mean to, to the new comics especially listening you know great writing trumps everything you'll always have a gig if you're writing and you're writing clever and you're writing smart and you're writing to the top of your ability yeah not just pandering to the crowd and you know that kind of thing Cause, you know great writers will find jobs off stage as well yes you know and so you're always employable and and other comics at the very least will be asking you hey you want to write for me if you're not going on the road or you don't want to do that there's but Having that skill of writing and developing that trumps everything right. by a landslide. Right, always, always right. Because when you, when sometimes you don't want to go on stage, and what makes you go is that new bit. You want to see how it works. Yeah, got to try it out, get gotta, the feedback. Can't yeah. just, the more you wonder about it, the more you want to do it. Exactly. Now, how do you balance things out? You've got three kids, and they're all getting older, all uh, the time. Yes, my my boy is almost twenty. My daughter's 17 and my baby's 10. Yeah, that's crazy. I'll, I'll tell you how I balance it out. Uh, you know, like I like today I'm on the road, uh, you know, uh, two days. I'm mostly gone two days and stuff. When I do an international, I'll be gone for 12 days. So I either take my son or my daughter or my wife with me or all of them if I can. But when I do shows, it's hard because your mind is focused on the show. But when I'm home, I'm home, Rick. Mm-hmm. I don't golf. I don't have any sports, uh, no hobbies. I don't have any TV shows that I follow. 
And when I'm home, I'm home. When I'm on the road, the minute I hit the, the airport, I start working on what do I need to work on so when I get home, I don't have to do it. Yeah. I make my calls on the road. I make my calls this morning. I was making my calls in, in the room. And when I get home tomorrow at 1.30, I get home by 2 o'clock, I'm theirs. There's nothing. I don't, I don't have any agenda. Yeah. I'm done. One of the tips, I can't remember who told me early on, but when I pull in the driveway from a long trip, I'll, I'll actually pull over about a mile from my house. There's a lake. I'll pull in there. I'll get out of the car. I'll stretch. I'll shake off the road, any mm. anger from driving or any whatever, tired. And then when I pull in the driveway, I'm fresh. I don't get my suitcases out until they've already taken their baths and gone to bed. I just walk in. What are we doing? You know, that's try to have some fun. That's the best thing. That's, and also, you know what? Like uh, last night and this morning, I have FaceTime with the with the kids mm-hmm. and with my wife. We're FaceTiming. We know they can see me. And sometimes I leave it open. So I'm well, like I'm I'm in the other bedroom and and yesterday last night my son was screaming at his sister and I was like John stop it <laughs> now I told you to go finish go get take the trash out right now awesome. and and he goes oh yeah it's Thursday night we take the trash out and it feels like you're there with them yeah and then you text him and then you you know at the end of the day I've, I'm done with everything I call my wife and that's what I love being in the East Coast because I'm always ahead so I'm done. I, I said, talk to my wife for half an hour or right. less. I love you and tell her, just encourage her and all that. So she doesn't feel I'm, I was gone. Yeah. And whatever happened through the day, she knows about it. That's good. Just keep your presence there when you're not there. Physically. Exactly. That's awesome, man. And then I have people praying. I have godly men praying for me on the road. So I don't get tempted to watch TV or to, to go, oh, maybe I should go get a drink or something. Or, or No, I know I am I'm commissioned. If if I have a gig, even if it's a corporate gig, God commissioned me for this. So I'm gonna I'm gonna do my due diligence. I'm gonna do the right thing. I'm gonna go perform. I'm gonna be on time, and then I'm gonna take the first flight home. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna wait till like nine to ten o'clock. Right. Well, I know we've got the uh, the rec- show recording coming up a little bit, so I won't hold you too long. But I, w- I did want to grab you and get you on the podcast. And-, and also, I wrote a new book. If people yeah, tell me about that a little bit. Yeah, it's called Hope in Twenty Four Hours. And uh, I noticed that people were losing their hope. People are anxious. They're afraid. They're fearful. And they forget that God said be anxious for nothing. And also his thoughts are different than our thoughts. And I go, you know, when you're you're worried, when you're concerned, and you're putting all these scenarios of how things are going to get worse, and you're getting up in the middle of the night worried about it, can you just add one more scenario that maybe God can turn it for the better? And I don't say that from void. Mm-hmm. God, it's throughout my life, he had different events where he changed my situation in 24 hours or less for the better. And it's it's not a name it and claim it. It's not like, you know, if it's his will, he will do it. And, and you know, as I said, I was in Hollywood as a comedian. One day I was afraid God hates me. He's mad at me. Next day I go to church. You know, one day I was going to hell. 24 hours later, I'm going to heaven. Right. I was single, praying, you know, the story. I wrote it in the book. It's a very romantic story how I saw my wife in out of all places in the Gaza Strip, the Muslim part. I get there. The first day I'm with my atheist cousin, his fiance, and her sister. I'm sharing Jesus with them. He gets mad. He goes, don't listen to him. He's a born-again Christian. Her sister said, me too. I look at her and say, would you like to marry me? And she said, I've been praying for a believer for three, for three years. Let me fast and pray for three days. I'll get back to you. Three days later, she came back. She goes, I'm starving. Let's do it. 
21 years of marriage. One day I'm single, 24 hours later I'm planning a wedding. Another time, the economy is hurting, I'm financially problems with Bank of America because I only pay 90% of the mortgage. Mm -hmm. We get to a point where it's, I owe them $70,000 because of the late fees and all that. Didn't know. Praying, okay, Lord, what's going to happen? All this, oh, it's going to work. They're going to take the house, all this. Next day, a friend sent me a check, a FedEx check, $100,000 out of the blues. Like, <laughs> why did you do that? He goes, God told me to do it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I was out of debt. 24 hours later, I'm out of that's, debt. That's phenomenal. My daughter, same story. They thought there's a hole in her heart. The pediatrician said there's a problem. Take her to the cardiologist. All night, we're praying, we're worried, we're scared. Next morning, we go to Carter, he does all the tests, he goes, go home, there's nothing. 24. Stories after stories of my life and how God can restore relationships in 24 hours or less. So it's a good book for people to know, you know, just to know my story, but to know that God is able to do that for them as oh, well. Oh, yeah. You'll be able to reach out to a lot of people. And I, I assume every chapter kind of stands alone, but it also rolls into your whole story. It rolls, and it's also it's a good way to share Jesus in a in a non-threatening way. or In a practical way. I mean, when they see real results from real prayer, a lot of people, I mean, it kills me when I see somebody like post something like, hey, if you're a praying person or if you believe in some kind of energy out there, yeah. you know, well. A good thought. <laughs> you know, yeah. Send me some good thoughts. No, prayer <laughs> prayer really works. Good thoughts. I don't know what happens with good thoughts. They just. Send them a good thought from the Bible. Here's yeah, what the, a good go. thought from the yeah, Bible. Yeah. Here's a whole book of good thoughts. <laughs> Dig into it for yourself. That's awesome. Well, I'll link to uh, your website, to the book site, everything they need to know about Nazareth. And. Probably by the time this comes out, I'll be able to link to your episode of the Huckabee Show so they oh, can see what you did great. and how it turned out. And uh, I'm sure it's going to be great. Looking forward to seeing you tonight on stage, but thank glad you, we got a chance thank to hang you. a little bit before. And thank you for being the president of the Christian Comedy Association. People have no clue <laughs> how hard that is and how much time it takes. Mm-hmm. It, praise God. It's God. God wanted, and I want to encourage everyone. You know, uh, be a member, join it. It will, it will help you. And some people have that fear that they said, you know, what the CCA is doing is uh, putting comedians out there who are not ready, making believe that they can do it, and they're taking work away. Or no, it's not the case. You know, you come to the CCA. Some people leave the CCA going. Uh, I'm glad I tried it. And I'm not gonna do it again. It's too much work, or it's too, it's hard for me. So we are, we're filtering through, especially with the with the showcases. We're filtering through people who say, "Do I really want this, uh, or uh, I don't?" But it's a lot of work uh, to be a comedian. It's a commitment. It's mm-hmm. uh, and you have to have the spouse that are willing to go through it. Absolutely, yeah. If you're willing to put in the work. At least check out a conference and see the keynotes and the breakout sessions of what it takes to to develop the work. And your act is just one small part of the whole picture. Whether you're doing Christian comedy or any kind of comedy, your act is is one little thing. Yeah. But it's probably 10% of your time. Yeah. Most, most often. And that's the only fun we have. It's like your lunch hour as a business person. <laughs> right. When we're on stage, that's our lunch. That's our break. That's when we relax and do what we love to do. And we go, ah, I love this. Yeah. I'll do this anytime. And, and then the rest of it is the travel, the booking, dealing with clients and people and all that. And the writing, too. Some, it's mm-hmm. hard. But when you come up with a good joke, like... Oh, yeah, that's that's my break right now. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty exciting stuff. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks again, Naz. I appreciate it. Thank you so it, much. Hey, thank you. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Nazareth. Very funny guy. 
Uh, if you haven't checked him out, check him out online. I've linked to his website and different videos in the show notes. Uh, thanks to our supporters through Patreon, uh, all of you, plus Rhonda Corey, who supported the podcast this particular episode, and Dan over at the Art of Bombing podcast. Check that out if you'd like to hear about uh, failures in comedy. Uh, surrounded by other stories from the comics he interviews on that show. Hey, I did want to mention something. It's not a sponsor. Nobody's paying for this ad, but my good buddy Jeannie Robertson is running her Comedy with Class Humor Contest again. Uh, it's a very cool contest where the winner gets to go and open and perform for her. There's cash prizes. I think the top three winners uh, get cash prizes. But you can check that out at ComedyWithClass.com and just look at the last tab on the top right. That's the contest button. Check it out. Enter if you like and uh, see what happens. At the very least, you'll kind of figure out where you stand with some other comics that are doing clean. And it's a great opportunity. Again, if I was eligible for opportunities like that, I would jump right in it myself. Uh, but good to see Jeannie doing that contest again and, you know, promoting clean humor out there in a world where it can get kind of dark and dirty fast. That's going to do it for this episode of the School of Last podcast. Thanks again to everybody who listens. If you haven't ever left a iTunes review, you know, I would dig that. I, I have stopped asking for them and they have stopped coming in. So if you've listened for a while and you thought, well, I could at least do that. Maybe I won't sponsor the podcast, but I can give this guy a review. Please log on and do that for me. Uh, it works easiest from a laptop or a desktop, a little harder from a phone, but not impossible. Thanks, guys. Have a great uh, rest of the summer, whatever you have left of it. And I'll talk to you again in a couple of weeks. Stay safe and stay funny. listening to the school of laughs podcast if you'd like to hear more school of laughs podcast you can find them on itunes and stitcher.com and don't forget to subscribe and leave a review for information on upcoming live and online classes visit schooloflaughs.com until next time stay tuned stay focused and stay money